Welcome to the Unruggable Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Moshi. And I'm Ella. Today is Talking Art with Jay Alders. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the Unruggable Podcast. But, uh, we're, we're joined with uh, Ella and Jay. Jay, nice to, uh, nice to have you on here. What's up, Moish? What's up, Ella? I'm psyched to uh, be here with you guys on the Unruggable Podcast. <laughs> yeah, you know, we... <laughs> We're we're here to uh, help you help you not get rugged. Is that uh is that something that you, you've been, you've experienced? Well, I'm experiencing it. We're experiencing some technical difficulties because your your face just froze on video. So, but otherwise, uh, <laughs> otherwise we're good. And uh, no, I haven't got rugged. Uh, not in not in the uh, NFT world, at least. Uh, I'm sure in life I have probably lots of examples. <laughs> rugged IRL. I like it. All right, we got some. Uh, Let's 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 get let's get some background information on you. How, how uh, you know? Yeah. What's your what's what's your story? How how did you get into art? Getting into NFTs? What's your what's your story, bro? Um, yeah, I've been into uh, so I've been a lifelong artist. I was uh, everyone knows the uh, or everyone either knows or is one of those kids in school that was you know drawing during class and uh, kind of the weird one. That was me. I've always been an artist, and uh, it's all I've ever wanted to do. I, I kind of I can trace that back to like school book reports where we had to describe what, what our future career might be, and that's always been my my uh, mission. And so I've been making art my entire life. I currently, um, up until and through now, um, before NFTs, and now I, I'm a, a fine artist. So a lot of my work involves painting, and uh, I've developed a business model where I sell prints, original works. Um, you know, accessories, merchandise of my work. I do a lot of licensing with my artwork. I do a lot of uh, band posters and album art and lots of cool stuff. And then one year ago, actually, it's pretty much encroaching my one year exact anniversary of, of entering NFTs. I learned about it, jumped in uh, with both feet. Uh, I think my confidence in jumping in NFTs came from my uh, background and just being a tech nerd. I've always loved computers and technology and uh, spent a lot of my childhood learning how to code and and just uh, take electronics apart. And so when NFTs came around, it was sort of the perfect marriage of being an artist and being like a very techie, nerdy type guy who was interested in all these different things. And so um, for the past year, I've put a lot of my focus into NFTs, into crypto. Uh, well, I've already been into crypto for several years. So, uh, you know, putting a lot of time and focus into like understanding the space, understanding the blockchain understanding things that um, kind of helped build my the NFT portion of my art career into where I am now and where I'm going. Were you were you always a, a full-time artist? Yeah, I've always been a full-time artist. I started making money with my art in like, well, my whole life really in kindergarten, I would sell uh, little transferable tattoos that I would draw for pocket change. And then throughout school, I would I would uh, get jobs from kids to like paint their jeans or do some art for whoever. And then in high school, I was doing illustration for my, one of my teachers had a side hustle. I was doing art for them that I got paid for. And then uh, when I was a teenager, my father, who was a salesman at the time, uh, got me a gig doing a sculpture for uh, commercially made figurines. And uh, I've done graphic design, I've done web design, I've done illustration. And uh, in one fashion or another, I've always done artwork. I had a skateboard company where I did all the artwork for it. Um, so many examples of uh, how I've used my art. I owned an art gallery at one point, a brick and mortar. 
So I've, I feel like I've worn a lot of different hats as being an artist, but I've always been an artist. I've never done anything else except for uh, like a few months at an amusement park at Six Flags. Um, I sold pizza for like a couple months. That was the only uh, the only non-art job I really ever had. Have you have you uh, drawn that yet? The the picture of you selling pizza? <laughs> no, I have not. I have no desire to. Uh, that's that's the fantastic though to be able to have you know ha- been been an artist your whole life and been able to be full time as an artist your life that you know people are are dreaming of to be able to u- do their passion as their career that's incredible. Yes and no. I think people have an illusion like what it's like to be an artist full time. I think if most people that said that actually knew what it was like to be an artist, they might not say that. They assume it's it's similar to music, you know, being a professional musician. I'm friends with a lot of musicians that are that are pretty famous, and a lot of people would want to transfer, you know, change lives with them for for a bit. But you don't realize how much uh, of a grind there is, you know, gr- the grind on the road or the grind, you know, sitting at your desk or the grind of focusing on marketing or the grind of uh, office work or dealing with contracts. There's so much of it that takes away from doing your love, whether it's music or writing or art. And so, yes, like and I am very I am fortunate, but it was it was designed to be this way. It wasn't it's not necessarily luck. Um, but it also isn't um, a fantasy world being an artist. I'm not just sitting around drawing all day. Unfortunately, a lot of my time goes towards things that have nothing to do with my art, which is a side of it that's not as not as easy to do or easy to cope with. I guess. Yeah, can, 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 we can see this see? quite a lot with um, young people in the space, don't we? Coming into NFTs and thinking they're going to be drawing and painting all day, and then they realise it's actually ninety percent marketing and business, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> It's it's so true. You know, the expectations, that's that's one of the shocking, disappointing, frustrating parts of the NFT space is seeing and feeling and hearing and reading about the frustration and disappointment and completely unrealistic expectations of so many artists coming into the space. You know, growing up up until up until a year ago, you know, like saying that you want to be an artist when you grow up, you would get shunned, you would get a funny look, you would get comments like, Oh, you better have a great backup plan. Or you better uh, do something else, or be a teacher. Like, and now it's like everyone wants to be an artist, and I feel like I'm like living in the upside down world. I'm like, really? Like, that's that's your uh, that's your plan is to be like an artist and make a living from it. Like, it's cool, and it's it's awesome that we have an, uh, this option for people to to be an artist, and I fully support anyone to do it. But the expectations are so funny. Like, people will come in and they're like, I'll I'll jump in on a space on Twitter, and people will be like. Well, I've been in NFTs for a week and a half and I haven't sold anything yet. I'm not sure if I should give up. And I'm like, what is going on? You know, I think that's the trouble, isn't it? I mean, I'm a similar person to you, actually. I mean, I was the artistic kid and I, you know, got as far as art school and then realized, you know, I had to take my life in a different path at that point because, you know, bills and all that. But, you know, I think what's interesting to me is the people you see actually succeeding and being able to cope with the space, they're people a lot of them have that experience like yourself, you know, they've done the grind over the years. So an NFT grind is just another facet to what they're already doing. Um, but yeah, I, I find it quite sad in a lot of ways because you do get a lot of people get their hopes right up and then they just get crushed by it. it it's very sad to watch. It's it's very under, easy to understand too. Like you, you go through uh, Twitter or you go on OpenSea and you see stuff that's like very, very low effort, very childish looking, very uh, uh, no talent 
you know, not to be harsh, but I'll say it. There's a lot of stuff that has no talent that's making tons and tons of money. And so for people coming in thinking like, hey, I, I have art talent, I, I do some cool stuff. And then assuming that that's the only variable at play, it's like, it's easy to understand that people would have that, you know, misconstrued reality. Um, and it, it is, it's sad and it's frustrating. But like, like you mentioned, like, People like us, you know, we've been grinding and grinding and grinding, and I've I've paid the price. I've had many months and many years being completely financially unstable and stressed and depressed and making sacrifices and having broken bones and not having money to go to the doctor. I, I've paid the price of any success that I'm tasting now. It's it's not that it's uh, been overnight, but a lot of people don't realize that it does take that level of commitment or maybe that level of lunacy to do what we're doing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah you know, financial stability. That, that that that's a major a major factor why people can't can't commit themselves to doing their passion full time. And to to be able to overcome that is what makes you go from, you know, that uh the people who attempt it, the people who think of it as a cool idea and the people who actually implement it and live their life that way. So it's you know, it's an incredible motivation. Yeah. To, see somebody actually be doing this you know what i think a lot of it um comes down to your intention and your purpose like for me i like i am an artist it's the only thing i've ever as a child it was the only thing i had had any um talent or any validation for i i didn't have sports i wasn't good at sports except for things like individual sports like i, I was terrible at team sports i i didn't love being stuck at a desk in school um, I wasn't, I wasn't tall. You know, there was a lot of things that as a child, it was the only thing that made me feel like maybe I'm special. And so it, for me, it's like, it's all I know. It's, it's what I am. And it's, it's, it's more important to me than, than most things to, to see what I'm capable of, to see like why, to figure out the why, like, why have I been given this thing? Where, where can it lead me? Where can it take me? Can I help other people with it? And like, there's a certain level of intention and purpose and, and wanting to help others and inspire others and leave a legacy. And I think that whenever you have something that you're willing to sacrifice many parts of your life to see what you can do with it, that's all the motivation you need. But a lot of people just look at the dollar signs or the Ethereum count in their wallet or the, the level of fame on TikTok. And that's the reason they're doing what they're doing. And those are the people that fail. But if you're doing what you you're doing because you have a purpose and an intention, then you already succeeded because you're doing it for a really good reason. I'd agree with that. I definitely would. And I hope it's okay to ask about this and forgive me if this is a bit of a stereotypical view, but um, I was looking at some of your work and I'm seeing like, you know, strong themes with the waves and it seems like a stereotypical sort of surface paradise that you're creating. Can I ask a little bit about your inspiration? You could ask me anything you want, Ella, literally anything. I'm an open book. I'm happy to talk about anything, no matter how weird or whatever you want to ask me. But yes, I mean, so I, I grew up um, as a skateboarder. That was like my escape. So art, anything that was like athletic and artistic or creative, I was drawn towards. So skateboarding, which eventually morphed into snowboarding and surfing or martial arts, those sorts of things were the things that were my physical athletic outlet. And so those sorts of things also became a creative outlet. and. Thus, I sort of shifted my life to have those things as one of the backdrops of my life or my lifestyle, I should say. So I currently um, live a mile from the ocean. I grew up not too far from the ocean. 
And so it's funny because a lot of people will peg me as just the guy that paints surfing or ocean waves. But what it comes down to, the, the real common thread in my work is my art sort of um, documents or explores topics that I'm inspired by in real life, you know, like things in life that give me joy or fascinate me or intrigue me or confuse me or make me think about them for uh, hours at a time when I'm just pondering life. Those are the sorts of things that I like to paint or create from. So it just so happens I live near the beach and that lifestyle is, is really special to me. Surfing is an amazing creative and spiritual outlet for me. And so the idea of like painting that is natural because when I get done surfing, I'm just so awe-inspired by the energy of the ocean and the, the adrenaline of, of riding waves. Um, but I also love painting figurative works because, you know, the human body to me is absolutely amazing. I love painting things that have a spiritual undertone. I just like creating things that, um, you know, are, are topics or subject matter that just really uh, kind of make me think twice, you know? That makes perfect sense. I mean, I, I'm kind of the same with my own work. So everything you're saying is sort of music to my ears. I mean, I, I'm curious because, you know, as a British person, you know, to me, that is like the stereotypical idyll of life in America, you know, on the coast with all the surfing and the skate culture and everything. Do you find that your work is very popular with people um, from around the world who sort of get into that vibe or what, what's your customer base like? Um, yeah, so going, I'll start present day and then i'll go backwards a little bit to give you some some context um yes to answer your question my i have a, a global base of followers and fans and collectors my social media you know kind of shows the metrics of that the united states is clearly the, my biggest following but like not just just under that you know throughout europe especially especially coastal areas but all throughout europe i sell and, and ship artwork to quite regularly and australia and brazil are very very big for me as far as uh, fan bases go. Um, so on like my, my Facebook, for instance, it shows like, I think Brazil is my second most popular country that I'm, that I'm uh, collected in or known by. And just yesterday on social media, I posted a picture of that someone sent me. They were, they were uh, on, on a trip to Morocco and there's a guy that's been there for 10 years now who has been basically forging my work and selling it on the streets. And like every month or so I get an email from someone saying, Hey, I bought this painting in Morocco. And then I just found out that it's yours. And I wanted to let you know, and I, I'd be getting those sorts of emails from people around the, there's people around the world that do that, that I, I get emails from people all over. There was a guy in Costa Rica that sent me a picture of someone that owned a, uh, a shop down there that the entire front facade of the shop was one of my paintings. So it's, it's a, uh, it's wow. a strange thing. It's a strange problem, but it's also like, I understand it's a, uh, on one level, it sucks. People are stealing my work, but on the other level, to like to have people thousands of miles away, like like know my work or care about my work enough to copy it or, or have interest in it is very cool. I've also had my work on like covers of international magazines. Like actually, in the UK, there was a, a really great magazine that I I uh, I forgot wh where they were based out of, but it was called The Surfer's Path, and that was based out of the UK. And I had my work on the cover, and I had a couple of magazine covers in the Brazil in Brazil with my art on it. Um, but just giving some context, it is funny because my entire life I've been painting. I've always been like the guy that painted when I was doing other work or other projects, like at night or in the middle of the night or in the middle of the morning, whenever I can find time to paint in the corner of my room. And I never knew I had anything special going on. I never had any kind of accolades. I never had any kind of attention 
for, for literally decades, like, you know, for over a decade and a half at least. And then all of a sudden I like moved from, I was going to school and college um, near New York city. And I lived up in that area for about nine years. So I kind of got away from my, my beach roots. And then after about eight or nine years of living near like New York city and North Jersey, I moved back to the beach and then I started finding my passion again for the ocean and for surfing. And I started painting and I was happier. And I think my happiness and my, my, my connecting with, with who I am and, and with nature resonated. And I started painting those things. It's a very, very long story that I'll just give you the, the, the quick version. The quick version is once I started painting those things, all of a sudden I started getting attention for it. And I was like, what is going on? All of a sudden people were say, saying they liked my style. I didn't even know I had a style. People were all of a sudden were interested in how do I get a copy of that painting? And it was just, it kind of just organically happened. And uh, it, it just, within a couple of years, I all of a sudden had an international career out of, it seemed like out of nowhere, but it was literally a decade and a half or more of painting with zero attention. And all of a sudden it just started happening. It was very odd. Very odd, but very, very cool though. I mean, oh my God. I mean, I think that's got to be, partly at least it's it's got to be about people connecting because you're doing something with real passion behind it. Um and also tapping into something that people really identify with. You know, I mentioned the stereotypes that people like myself in cold, rainy UK have of, you know, the amazing beach culture over there in, in the US. And it's like, I can totally see why people want to get in on that. You actually second guessed my next question because I saw that tweet about the guy in Morocco and I thought, I have to ask about this. And you've answered <laughs> that perfectly already. I mean, it is so flattering when people want you know, your work that much, but at the same time, I guess, slightly infuriating. Um, I want to ask as well, actually, have you had experience of your NFTs being copied at all on OpenSea and stuff? Um, I haven't experienced that yet. It's been, it's been really um, humbling, interesting, fascinating, intriguing to, to uh, take my work onto NFT platforms and, and using this medium. Because in essence, I've started over, like I've spent at this point, so my fine art career as it is now sort of took off around to like the early 2000s or, or 2005. By that point, things were really happening. And so I've been working this whole time building my art career to where it is now. And like IRL, my, my work is known, it's collected. People, you know, thankfully are willing to spend money on my originals. And then going over to NFTs, it was like crickets, crickets, no one cares who you are over here, you know? And, and thankfully, I had enough of my, um, my in real life collectors who also were into NFTs and I had some initial sales and um, interest and that's sort of, those guys are still my, uh, have become friends and are my base and I, I love them very much. And since then I realized, you know what, it's like starting all over again. And that's cool. Like I love that feeling of like, uh, you know, having, having nothing and starting over that feeling of, of having to be hungry and having to prove yourself is so important for an artist to, to never lose touch with. I feel like for, to be honest with you, I feel like for a couple of years there, things were going so, so well that I, I started feeling my ego overinflate at times. And to have things like this happen where you, you literally have to start over again. Um, it's, it's nice. It's a nice refreshing reminder that it's, you have to, um, you have to really, really want it. You have to really, really need it. And so I, I've kind of actually enjoyed that. I've experienced it in the past. You know, I built up my MySpace following to like 20,000 people. And then the next day, everyone's like, well, F MySpace, who cares about that? And then, and then you start over on Facebook and then it's like you start over on Instagram. And so I've gone through that, like starting over thing a bunch. And I've, um, 
been enjoying the the building up of something new feeling on on uh, with nfts but i have not yet had anyone that i know of like you know kind of rip off my work with nfts that is really good to hear i guess um but at the same time i, I totally get i think what you were saying about the starting over thing i think that is so important um you do really have to have that I think that humility when you're approaching anything new and yeah, if you get too much into a bubble, then you become kind of too self-referential. You stop looking at what other people are doing and it just leads to creative stagnation, I think. And it's never healthy either, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Moishi, should we move on to asking about the podcast? Cause that looks super interesting as well. Yeah. You know, before, before we move on to there, it's, I, I, I've got a comment, Jay, like the, the grind that you have to, go from a you know one platform where you built yourself up and then to the next platform and you know to to fall down and get back up again repeatedly over and over again and then and to do so you know to transition to the nft space where you know from social platforms it was like okay it's the next evolution but to to really just trend that was you know one platform to another this is a whole new ball game and your ability to do that is is uh really 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 fantastic and it's something, you know, we could all, we could all learn from. Well, I, I appreciate that. You know, it's, it's been, uh, it's been really cool. And it's I, one thing you learn when, when you're in the NFT space, you hear over and over and over again about people getting rugged or like, you know, uh, people are always saying or giving or advising, if you're looking to buy into NFTs, like you want to know that they're going to still be there in a year. And I'm like, you know what, I, I'm, I'm very patient and I'm like so bullish on myself and my fellow artists who have been doing this for a long time. Cause like, you can see where I'm going because you know what you can look you can look behind me and see where I've been. You can see the album covers and the book covers and the the big licensing deals. You can see what I've done, and it's just a matter of time before people appreciate and understand that like this is this is me. This is this is like important to me. Like it's important for my legacy. It's important for my family. And you know that grind. You know, Ella, as you know, as a fellow parent, like when you, when you're a parent, you you have to make it work. There's no like there's no if or like maybe I'll try my best. There's like, you literally have to. And, you know, when my kids were very, very, very young, I was not, I didn't have the mental capacity. I was, I didn't sleep for multiple years. My kids, my, my two boys were colicky and uh, I saw what it was like to like fall into a financial hole. You know, I was, I was a, in a really, really bad position. And so for me, I'm like just blessed that this NFT thing is here as a, as another source of income or another stream to my income, I should say, in addition to like my, my IRL uh, artwork doing really well, thank God, like since the pandemic, especially, which was something I was terrified of when it first happened, I thought like, who's going to buy art during a pandemic, but it, I've been doing better and better and better. Right? It turns out people are really appreciating their home life. They're really appreciating the arts. They're, they're starting to, to, I think, have a reset on, on what things in life are important and realize that like spending time with your family appreciating beautiful things, appreciating music and experience and art. These are things that people are starting to really kind of, I think, have a reset and realize that, that they're important. Art is important. Music's important. Writing is important. Culture is important. And I think that's one of the silver linings of the pandemic that I've been kind of learning and seeing happen. Yeah, you know, that, that's definitely been something that's unprecedented. And, you know, we're, we're, we're really glad that, you know, it worked, worked out for you all. The, the the your physical art that you're doing now right with your and then you also have your digital art do you create your physical pieces and photograph them to use as nft art or is your digital art something that you work on separately 
Um, you know, so it's interesting with NFTs. I think like a lot of artists that got into a year ago, I kind of just jumped in and had no idea what I was doing. And so I, I've been doing digital art also for a very long time. I'm like super OG when it comes to digital art. I started digital art in the 90s. Like, I think it was like Photoshop one or two, the version one or two that came out that I started like realizing like, this is awesome. And even before that, I would do like the, the click, click, click thing and do one pixel at a time making art in my computers. So like the digital art thing was, was fun for me always. And like, so I had a lot of a stockpile of digital art. And so that was some of the stuff that I started releasing first, because I thought that makes sense. And then I started realizing that there's so many ways to use NFTs as a medium, you know, and so. I um, have since then ex- been experimenting and having fun. You know, some of my traditional paintings I've put out as NFTs. I've also paired some of the original physical pieces with the NFTs. I've, I've also, um, one of the things I'm working on now is taking some of my like more, I don't know, like, for lack of a better words, like better known physical pieces and like tricking them out, like adding animation or changing the colors, like making them completely unique. So like someone that has, let's say an NFT of one of my, more well-known paintings is has something completely unique than someone that might own that exact original physical painting. And so I've been experimenting. I've been doing a lot of digital work, especially since NFTs have become big. I've, I've, you know, been, uh, found a justifiable reason to spend a lot of time on my iPad. And I've, I've really loved it. You know, before the iPad, I was using like a Wacom tablet in Photoshop, which has a real disconnect. You're like looking at your screen, but your Wacom tablets on your lap. It didn't really, it never felt fully natural, but now with the iPad, it feels so natural and it feels like a, just an extension of me, like, like a paintbrush does. And so I, I love it all. I, I still paint a lot. I still use my iPad a lot. And, um, you had asked about how I, how I capture my physical pieces. Yeah. I have a guy that professionally captures my, my physical paintings and, and, uh, you know, makes them available as like high res files. Yeah. That that's, that's super cool. I saw also with one of your recent collections, you send, you know, physical pieces as well, connected with your, with your digital art? Well, my, my most recent collection, uh, Hydroglyphics, which thankfully sold out twice already, which I'm psyched about. I haven't yet paired that with, uh, with physical pieces. Um, so far, that's currently just digital, but I am talking to a group of people who are collectors that became friends. We have like a regular coffee meetup. And we're talking about next phases and how to offer like physical pieces and merchandise. And I want to do that like the right way. So we're trying to roll that out uh, with, with thought and intention behind it. But I have uh, my main collection, like my Jay Alders art collection on OpenSea. There are some pieces that I put out that are paired with, with a fi- either a physical painting or a physical piece of art or a physical one of one print. And so it's interesting because some collectors really appreciate the physical pairing with an NFT. And some people are more are more flippers and they just want the digital NFT to, you know, make money on down the road or to hold on to it, wait for my career to blossom on, on OpenSea or the NFT platforms as it has in, in real life. And some people are there um, for different reasons. I have one collector that lives out of a van in California. And so he clearly has no reason to have a physical piece of art. And some people have told me they bought the NFT specifically because it came with physical art. So it's like, you know, you, you try to offer something for everyone because everyone is doing uh, in, or involved in NFTs for a different reason, you know, and you try to like make sure that you're um, honoring all, everyone's desires and needs in, in a way that works, you know? For sure. For sure. All right. Let, let's, let's get into the, the shifting perceptions podcast. 
that's uh that, that that's something we're we're we got a lot of questions about. How long have you been doing it? Sure. Oh, you know what? I'll be honest with you. I don't remember how long it's been. If I think it's been at least it's been at least three years. I think um, it started out uh, with, with my wife and I co-hosting, and then uh, between our work schedules becoming crazy busy, and then. So my wife is a birth doula and she's gotten crazy busy, uh, especially during the pandemic with all the COVID babies. She's very, very busy and, and just became nearly impossible for us to find time to schedule things together. And then the pandemic happened and clearly life, life's priorities shifted and uh, it took a back seat for a while. And then as things kind of settled down, I said, you know what? I really miss um, having the opportunity to talk to people like, like we're doing now. And so I started up the podcast again uh, with just myself hosting it. And, um, I, I kind of like eased my pressures on myself because when I was doing it full force, it was like at least once a week, sometimes twice a week. And it was a lot of um, post edits and a lot of marketing and a lot of work going in besides just the talking part, a lot of research. And it, it got to the point where it wasn't really enjoyable anymore. And so now I kind of do it on my own schedule as my schedule allows when it's a guest that I'm really, really, truly interested in talking to. And, um, I feel like by easing that pressure, I'm able to kind of do it, uh, when I'm able to, as opposed to having it as a job, because I, I never have really monetized it. So it never really gave me, um, uh, a reason to like drop things that were paying the bills to do it. Um, but I still enjoy it quite a bit. I have, I've had some amazing guests on there. I've had on rock stars and billionaires and best-selling authors and, you know, just incredible uh, people, and I've I love the opportunity that's brought me, and I still enjoy it quite a bit. What what prompted you to start the podcast? That, you know, it's uh, it, it's really incredible. Um, you know what's prompted me is um, so before children, especially uh, my wife and I were traveling like insane amounts. We we're going all over the world. We had some opportunities to like to uh, go to Australia on, on tours with, with rock star friends of ours and go to Brazil with, with rock stars and do all these crazy things with, with uh, artists and, and uh, you know, big authors that we're, we're friendly with. And our, as our network of, of friends grew, like literally our friends just do the coolest things. And we would have these conversations either, you know, in our homes or in a, a tour bus or backstage. And we would talk about the, the coolest things, you know, and it was always like, it was always those conversations that on the drive home, my wife and I were like, Oh my God, I wish that was recorded. That was so like surreal and trippy and interesting and fascinating. And so that kind of like put a, a little, a little seed in my mind of like, that would be cool to like, to have these people as a foundation to start a podcast because I've had such great conversations with such fascinating people and, and they're all people that I'm friends with. It's not like I'm just a fan of, even though I am, um, but it was like, it's, it's really a, a cool opportunity to kind of let people in on some of the conversations that I've had. And so that's where it started. And then, uh, just the idea of, uh, having a legacy that my, my children could also listen to someday and like hearing how we thought and hearing about what things were interesting and being able to share with other creative people and other entrepreneurs, things that I've learned. Um, I felt like it was just, it was a contribution that I could make outside of my artwork that I felt like was important and it was sort of tugging at me and uh it turned out to be a lot of fun and I, I enjoy it quite a bit do you would you consider the a, a podcast a form of art you know the way the way it can be the way it can be set up you know with with all the the post edits and 
with putting time into the cover art the way people do. You know, get, having those, putting that research hours into it and eventually, you know, monetizing it. Would that be considered a form of art? Well, I mean, like you said, there's many, many parts of it. So conversation, to be a good conversationalist is is an art, right? Communication and conversation at the essence of, of visual art, that's what it is. Like visual arts communicates. And so clearly being able to use your vocabulary and use your life experience to formulate an interesting conversation is an art. And then, like you said, also the edits, I, I never knew anything about that. I taught myself how to do audio editing at a pretty high level. And so I got, re- I was spending like four or five hours sometimes like mastering the audio way beyond what I had to, because I was finding an enjoyment in making it interesting and perfect and having it flow properly. And so I, I found, you know, the idea of learning a new skill and again, starting over from scratch and being a student like that, that idea very much has always interested me. Like, and so the podcast really offered me that. And so it, it's been a challenge. And yeah, I think of course, every aspect of it is, is an art, as long as you do it the right way. If you're not just putting out crap, then, then it's an art, I think. I love that. I absolutely love that. It's, uh, you, you, you really, really inspire me, you know, one, one aspect of what you do after another. It's amazing. You know, you, you, you have, a, you speak about your music friends. Um, you know, we, we, we see a lot about your, your cover art for, you know, different bands. Slightly Stupid is one that is featured on your, on your Twitter profile. Can you speak to that, your mm-hmm. relationship with them, how they get started and how are you, you know, doing, doing cover art for them now? Wow. Well, so that kind of one of those, it's one of those things from like a crime movie where you look on the board and they're trying to solve a crime and there's like strings, pieces of yarn going from one photo to the next, you know, it's it's kind of like a story like that. So depending on how elaborate you want me to get, depending on how much time you have, I can, it's it's a pretty fascinating story and I can get into that. But like, so my, my friendship with, with, um, with the guys from Slightly Stupid kind of evolved. Do you want to get into that? All right. So I can give you a very, uh, as quick as I, I can give you a quick as possible version. And if it goes, if I'm, if I'm talking too much, please like, let me know. So this also ties into like sort of how my art career took off. So I'll, I'll start this story in France. So I was, I was on the beaches of Nice on my birthday when my wife and I were still just dating and she, we were, we were there for uh, visiting some friends and there for new year's. My birthday is on January 3rd. So it was two days after new year's. We're walking around the beach. My wife, uh, takes out of her bag this homemade uh, birthday card that you know the kind of romantic things that that people do for each other when you're first dating, right? <laughs> and so it was like a, a multi-page card, like four or five pages, and it was hand drawn and all these things. And and at the end of the card, which is very sweet, um, it was something along the lines of like, "Hey, I'm I uh, got us a trip to go skiing and snowboarding at Squaw Valley, which is in California, which is out west, and I've never." snowboarded out west at the time and i was like super excited just to have the opportunity to to snowboard out there and i was like oh my god this is so sick long story short at the next page it was like to be continued turn the page i turned the page and it was like also while we're there there's a music festival going on and at the time and still some of my favorite musicians were guys like jack johnson and donovan frankenreiter and she love and alo and all these bands that were on jack johnson's label at the time were doing it were we're going to be at a music festival. And so fast forward, we were at the, we're at the music festival at Squaw Valley in California. And we, I walked in, I was, I was totally inebriated and uh, opening the, opening the music show, opening the music festival was this huge art event. 
and all these uh, artists were displaying their work. And to my complete surprise, it was all the kinds of art that related to the stuff that I loved. It was photography and painting that was inspired by snowboarding, surfing, skateboarding, music, all the stuff that I loved. And I, I, at that moment, I realized that there was a whole subculture of art and music and all these different things that I never knew about because I was never really super hip to like the scenes, you know, I didn't know about these scenes at all. And so I saw this at scale at, at a music event. And so I'm sitting there and I was totally like, I was stoned and drunk and I'm watching the music go on and I'm surrounded by artwork. And I turned to my, my, my then girlfriend, my now wife at the time. And I said, Chelsea, I was like, I don't know how, but somehow I'm going to be one of these artists pointing at all the artists around me. I'm going to be one of these artists with those musicians pointing at the musicians on stage. And she looked at me with like this look of confidence that sort of told me like, I know you will. And she said something along the lines, confirming my, my dream. And my, we were really into the secret at the time and manifesting and making things happen that out of thin air. And so, you know, that's I, some, I got back some, very that's inspired. That's some real manifestation right there. So, yeah. So I got back very inspired, very motivated with a goal in mind. And to make a long story short, right? So eight months to the day from being at that music festival, I was in freaking Brazil with all four of those musicians. Like wow. I, I, I'm getting like, I'm getting like, like bumps in my skin, just saying the story. It's, it's literally true. Like eight months to the day, I'm in fucking Brazil as a featured artist with, with ALO, G Love, Matt Costa and Donovan Frankenreiter, who were some of my favorite musicians that I would listen to every day. And so that's sort of the beginning of, of how I got connected with these like higher level musicians. I, you know, I, I became friends with them all. We stayed connected. We started traveling around with them, going to shows with them, back, hanging out backstage, doing, I started doing collaborations with them that just organically happened. Like, Hey, can you do this tour poster? Hey, do you want to like do this for me? Or, Hey, I know this guy that works for uh, Billabong. You want to do a, a collaboration with them? Hey, I know so-and-so or, and I would, I would likewise do the same for them. Like I've, I've got several of them uh, booked at, at different venues that I knew or I was friendly with. And so it was a very uh, reciprocal, fun relationship. Whenever they were in town, we'd all go surfing together. Whenever I was in town with them, we'd hang out together. And so, you know, fast forward to the slightly stupid thing that those guys, I, I forgot which of the bands that, that introduced me to them originally, but it was, I think I met them originally through one of the, the, um, the guitar or drum techs that I'm friendly with Anthony. I think he first introduced me to them and slightly stupid was in town. I saw him, I was out surfing. I saw them. We, we, we briefly met. And then, uh, I heard from someone that we're mutually friends with like, Hey, you know, that guy from slightly stupid was, was really interested in your artwork. You should reach out to them. So I did. And, uh, ever since then I've done two album covers for them. I've done countless, uh, gig posters for them. And, uh, it was really interesting because, and I always knew their music, but I, I didn't know that their music to the point where I was like a crazy fan, even though I loved them as musically. But I, I bonded with with um, with Kyle, especially from the band. He was he's one of the lead the lead singers and one of the lead guitarists. And, you know, he has twin boys. I have twin boys. And we connected just as friends. Like we would swap back text pictures of our kids and uh, talk about surfing and like hang out whenever he was in town. And it was just a very organic, like just real friendship. And, uh, that's, that's kind of the story. That's amazing. That's an amazing story. Thank you so much for sharing. That's just brilliant. 
like you know you, you. you go somewhere you see what you want and somehow it comes to reality um that's beautiful um absolutely beautiful um and it's Thank lovely you. to see the, the cover art as well i mean it's interesting you mentioned the brand billabong actually because that was the first thing that popped into my head when i looked at your work it very much i was talking about the perceptions of, of american culture over here and it, it is very much tied up with that even though i'm not even sure if they're an american brand but anyway we're getting off topic they're not. Um, they're Australian, actually. They're out of like <laughs> Burley Heads, Australia, which is actually where I, I, I met a lot of the guys. We were in Australia with some of the, the, the surf champions and uh, we did like a tour of their place. And yeah, it was super cool. A really great, great people. Absolutely. So you're in with all these musicians, right? You're very much part of this creative scene that has nothing to do with NFTs. Um, do you know anybody <laughs> yeah. from the music? the music world who's actually going into music nfts because that seems to me like it's a huge growth industry waiting to happen so do you know anyone that's into it you know it's it's funny you say that i literally um made myself stay up later than usual last night because i had a business call with a band that it was just recently signed by universal who is they basically they were um kind of pushed into by their management to to um put out some nfts so it's definitely something that we're going to be see uh seeing all bands do and this particular band is interested in having me work with them and they don't really know much about it so i was sort of educating them on it as well and brainstorming with them but um i think a majority of the bands that i know have stuff sort of going on but a lot of the bands that are very big they're they're a very large ship so in order to move them you, you takes like an enormous amount of people on their team to make things happen. So I think a lot of the, bi the bigger bands are, um, you know, using uh, agencies and, and have big teams working on these big lofty plans. Where I, whereas I think a lot of the smaller uh, bands are just kind of jumping into it and making it happen. But yeah, it's interesting to, uh, to see where things are going. It was also interesting. Did you guys see that news with like Kanye? He like released his music on that weird like device thing i think there's going to be a lot of things with music happening that's that's um, out of the ordinary that's going to like empower musicians again yeah I, I was surprised kanye didn't just drop an nft project instead yeah i mean i'm sure there's some logic to it but that was uh, he, he crushed it with what he did which is super interesting yeah that, that, that was uh that was really cool i i got i got a question for you um you know speaking of non-nft yeah. projects I'm 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 sitting here right now on uh on Printful, you know Printful, the, the print on demand service. Yeah. Um I know I, I, I want to take your designs and slap them onto some shorts. I want to slap them onto uh swimwear and connect that with NFTs separately or or not. I mean, because I, I see like your your designs, you know, um uh Billabong, you know, and and stores like that, board shops to put your designs onto, uh, you know, surfing equipment. I, I see so many ideas, you know, with your artwork specifically of how that can be translated into real world products of not just um, a painting that hangs, you know, like you mentioned, your, your, your collector who's lives in a van, you could have clothing, you know, with the designs like that. And whether you see a, well, a demand yeah. for that. Yeah, well, if you go on my website and you click apparel, you'll see I have a lot of a lot of clothing with my uh, stuff on it. Um, but it, it's you know, so yes, I, I've I've been putting my art on clothing since the very beginning of my career. I, I uh, uh, nowadays I use uh, I use a print on demand service, but for many many years I'd have to stock an inventory and stock shelves and have office space where I'd have all my silkscreen shirts 
But I've been doing that for a really long time, and uh, the print-on-demand thing definitely makes it much easier. Um, you did, you guys did kind of touch upon a point that's good for people to hear, though. Like a lot of artists, they have these dreams of uh, collaborating with these big brands, and unless you're on like Kanye level or like Jay Z, like chances are you're not going to be making very much. Like I had this goal of like I want to work with like Billabong and all these different brands and surf companies, all these different things you're talking about, and then you realize how little money is in it for the actual artist and then you, you you quickly realize that and move on like a lot of these companies that are huge make make so much money because they're not paying artists very much you know um thankfully i, I did pretty well so i'm definitely not speaking in, from myself but you know it's very hard to do the things you're doing and scale it and make a ton of money like uh, I've, I've had a lot of licensing deals and maybe only one or two of them have been like very lucrative. Otherwise it's been more of just bragging rights than anything else. Now, is that connected to your NFTs, your, your shop? Uh, no, my shop is not connected to my NFTs other than like hypertext, you know, or hype, you know, links other than links pointing to OpenSea. I don't have uh, I don't have that set up yet. It's definitely something on my radar. Yeah, because you know the, the the idea. There's a company that that you know you have it uniquely. You know, different companies like that. I've spoken to a company that reached out to me for for consulting on you know bu- building taking the the uniquely where you have to you have to connect your NFT to adapt where you own the rights to that NFT, and then you'd be able to print on demand mm-hmm. service with your design, and there would also be a NFC uh, NFC you know sticker. Or, or another sort of authentication that this connects to the owner of the NFT that gives you unique rights to print that and you own the IP of your NFT. You know, to integrate that into your you know, into your things like that is is really, really cool. You know, it's that's interesting and I'd love to hear, you know, Ella's take on it also as as a creative person. But um you know what? That that also implies that all NFTs grant you the IP, which is not the case that the majority that I'm familiar with other than like board apes or certain select other ones, like there's not a lot that, that grant the, the uh, IP and me as an artist, I don't see that happening. It, it could happen. So I'm not going to say it's not possible, but I don't see me granting my rights to my work to the NFT owner per se. But I, I am working on things where like, if you own some of my NFTs that I would be able to offer exclusive merchandise or things like that. Um, but it wouldn't necessarily be print on demand. I, I would like to be in control of like uh, the quality. I'd like to be in control of, of how my brand and my artwork is represented. Cause I think once you hand over IP, someone could just, you know, print on a crappy shirt. And now it makes your art look bad. It makes your brand look bad. So I'd like to make sure that my perfectionist eye is sort of in control of how my brand is represented publicly. Ella, what is your thoughts on that? Oh, sorry, I just couldn't wait to jump in on that. Um, I could not agree more. I mean, one of the things that has upset me the most in recent times is um, someone stole some of my art and they didn't just mint it as their own work, which would have been annoying, you know, like a straight copy, but they used it as like a background to make new work and it was horrible. And yeah, Mm. people were thinking it was my stuff and I'm like, I was just raging at the horribleness of it. I mean, do you know what? Maybe, maybe it was okay. Maybe other people would have liked it or whatever. But yeah, to me, it just—I couldn't let go of that creative control. I'm totally with Jay on that one. 
Jay- you know, there's 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 so much crap out there. You know, like this this whole derivative thing is like such BS. Like, give me a break. Like, you got, like people that are just putting out like copycat crap. It's just like you know what? It's it's garbage. It's low effort. It's it's boring. It's lazy. There's so many people that that are are just like spending their time and energy to like just regurgitate stuff that's already been done. And there's definitely a time and a place for it. Like you know, some of the remixes with music are incredible, or like the mashups. Or, like some of them are so artistically done. But there's so many artists out there that are just like taking something that's not even theirs and like changing the color or like redrawing it in a terrible way. And I'm like, really? That's just like such a waste of of uh, God given talent. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I think it's something that some Oh, sorry, I, I I missed that. I said, I said, what do, what do you think about Board Ape like giving out their IP and how it misconstrues, you know, their brand? Are you asking me or Ella? Ah, it's b- both of you o- opening up to the table. Ladies first. Um, I think for them, they can basically do whatever the hell they want because they were pioneers <laughs> in the space. And, and also as well, it's a branding thing for them. Um, it, to me, Board Ape seems like it's this exclusive membership club. And um, it just feels like it's got a different vibe to what artists like myself and Jay are doing. Um, so I, I kind of respect what they've achieved really, to be honest, they had, they did kind of forge a path that wasn't there before. And I'm kind of with them on that. I mean, I'm not a fan of the art personally, but when it comes to the branding and stuff and people wanting to show it off, um, I think for them, it makes perfect sense because it's, there's an exclusivity there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I wouldn't personally be able to do that with my own stuff, but then I think I'm a very different type of thing, if that makes sense. But anyway, over to Jay. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with Ella. I think that uh, Board Ape is a completely different thing. It, it's never been about the art. No, I don't think anyone that owns, well, I shouldn't say anyone. Most people that, that own apes are not necessarily buying it because it's high art because it's it's not. I, I, I kind of like relate that analogy to sort of like when I was in college, I was active in a fraternity. And once you're a member of the fraternity, you could sort of take those letters and do whatever the hell you want. Some guys were, were broke and they would take a marker and they would draw and make their own shirts. And some people would go out and have a different pattern made with their letters on the Greek letters on their fraternity. And like, so that's sort of an analogy where it's like, you're in this club of board ape, like you can do whatever you want with it. And that's cool. And I get that. And you're part of this, this like, you know, club. Um, but being part of a club doesn't mean it's art per se. It's, it maybe is using something that's visually, visually art in some category, but it's, that's more of a representation of like, I belong to this thing. So it's, it's a very different analogy. I like that. So, the, you know, it, there's certain, depending on your collection, there's certain groups where it would make sense to give IP and it wouldn't, you know, take take too much off of their brand. While for an artist who's making more, you know, uh, personal work or different styles, it might not be a good fit. Yeah, well, some people are collecting art and some people are joining a club. Those are two different things. They're not, they're not the same thing. Agreed. All right. I got a uh, got got one last uh, one last question or or topic to to go through with you. Um, what are your future plans as a as a full time artist? Are there any other career um, paths or alternatives that you're considering? And your investments, you know, to go forward to now that you've reached a a, a large degree of success in in your field, to you know, with the the inconsistent uh sources of income that that goes along with with the art career path what are you doing to try to com- combat that and 
keep that steady maintenance. Do NFTs help with that? Nah. That's it's a long question. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll stop there. <laughs> that's a lot of that's a lot of questions right there. I don't know which one you want me to tackle first. I'll tackle them in order that I remember them. How about that? Um, Let's go with it. So I guess we'll start with with the NFT. Yeah, with the NFT thing, I'm really excited because I think we're still sort of figuring it out. We're at the phase of NFTs where we were with like when music was digitized. I'm old enough to remember when like MP3s were a new thing and having conversations with people like, okay, what the what the f do I do with this this MP3 thing? I'm supposed to listen to music sitting next to my giant Dell at my desk. And people were like, I don't, what do I do with this crap? And then all of a sudden, hardware caught up with it. You know, MP3 players caught up with it. First, we had Zune or whatever. Remember Microsoft Zune or whatever? And then it was like the iPod. And everyone, as soon as the iPod came out, everyone was like, oh, now I get it. And I think once NFTs uh, have a merging with hardware, where whether it's a digital screen like we can think of it, or whether it's a combination of like AR and VR experiences, or whether we have some kind of like crazy ass like wall paint that we put on our walls and it turns our wall into a digital screen, like there's going to be some innovations hardware wise that people will realize what NFTs are. So we're still really early in that regard. But for me, it's my, I'm, I'm really excited to build the art to a point where people appreciate what I'm doing and people are inspired by what I'm doing. And I want the art in whatever medium they consume it in to make their life better. So uh, currently I'm working on a new collection, Hydroglyphics, and I'm working on a new drop, which as of today is 18 days away, which I'm really excited about. I have some, my, one of my best friends from college, Steve, has been helping me sort of brand and market in the background. He has a, a big um, uh, lifetime of experience with Fortune 500 companies. So I'm excited to see where like these more abstract pieces can take me because after many, many, many years of doing um, art that is sort of expected of me. It's fun to stretch my wings and do stuff that's different. Again, putting me in a position of starting over. I like that sort of thing. Um, as far as my visual arts in general go, I, I really want to be able to have um, a little more time to paint and explore and do different genres and different subject matter. I'd love to eventually work on sculpture, both um, traditional sculpture. I have, I have this giant lump of clay next to my desk right now that I would really like to turn into something. And I'm also learning, teaching myself 3D sculpture using my Oculus and uh, using a 3D sculpting uh, app on there, which is really fun. Um, I'm also been working on writing a book for, for the past five or six years, which is like a very background project, but I'm really proud of it. And I, I like the idea of, of just trying to like see where my creativity can take me in a lot of different areas. And I think that's really, uh, that points to how artists should be looking at their their work. People should not be putting all their eggs in one basket when it comes to NFTs. I see a lot of artists just focusing on that and ignoring many other income streams that are possible. And not only income streams, but also like people are ignoring opportunities to connect with people. Like if you have an opportunity to set up your artwork at a local coffee shop and meet people and inspire people, like do that. Don't just spend your entire life on Twitter spaces. Don't just focus on NFTs but don't ignore them either. I think they're all part of a much bigger picture. And I think that bigger picture not only is your business as an artist, but I think it's, it's your lifestyle as an artist. Try to like have art go into everything you do. Like you said, like even a podcast can be art. So I had my, my goal, I guess, for the future is just to, to see where this thing takes me. You know, it's like when you get into a car, like a, a brand new car, you're like, let's see what this baby can do, you know? 
that's kind of how I feel like with my art talent. I want to see what this baby can do. I want to see where it takes me, what I can do, what kind of experiences I can have, what kind of uh, opportunities I can give to my children, what I can, what I can teach them as they grow up. And, and um, it's just a big picture type of thing. And that's sort of how I look at it. I love that. Absolutely love that. Oh, Jay, it's been, uh, it's been incredible getting to hear your, your background story, what you're currently up to and your plans for the future. It's tr- truly powerful and inspirational to to me to to hear the the grind and the and the effort and the belief that you had in yourself, and then to have you know your dreams realized and they continue to strive forward. Well, thank you, Moish. I always love our conversations. We've been we've been friends for several months now. I lose track already, but I always love our talks, whether it's uh, voice or over WhatsApp. I, I always love uh, our communications and our brainstorms together. And Ella, it's been a pleasure to have a have a nice chat with you as well. I hope we can connect deeper and, and further, um, you know, after the podcast is up as well. 100%. No, it's lovely to lovely to hear you talk, Jay, because a lot of what you were saying just sounded like, ah, this is someone I know, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, yes, totally. Well, you also don't don't discount your country. You know, there's a lot of amazing surf spots in the UK. And, uh, you know, definitely you should spend time with your family to go visit them because I have a lot of friends that, that surf or enjoy the beach culture in, in your country. And it's, it's super gorgeous from all the photos that I have, I've seen, which I have not, I have not explored, uh, England yet. I have, I have been to Ireland, but that's, that's about it. And, uh, it's definitely on my list of, of places to explore. So don't forget to explore your backyard and all the, the beauty you have there. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. I need to get down to Cornwall. <laughs> that yes. would be brilliant. Thank absolutely. you. And my pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in. Another great episode. If you haven't already, find us on social media at Pod on all socials and subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, your favorite podcasting platform.